where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. This episode that you're listening to right now is sex ed and purity culture. It might be a trigger warning for some of you. We do cover a lot of different aspects of sex ed and purity culture within the evangelical group that we were in. So if you have younger friends listening with you or this is an uncomfortable topic for you, go ahead and skip this one. Hi, friends. Welcome back. This is Hannah. This is Cass. What are we talking about today, Cass? We're talking about purity culture in the religious group that we were in and sex education. Or lack thereof. Lack thereof is a big thing, yeah. We'll get into that later. (laughs) So let's talk about some of the things that we were taught about Mm -hmm. purity. What did purity mean? Purity for our group specifically really only meant that we were staying abstinent until marriage. But it went further than just you're not having sex before you get married. It's you're not kissing anybody. You're not getting too close to another male or female. You're not holding hands for most of them. So it went a lot further than just no sex. So purity was presented to us that if you were pure, it meant you weren't sexually active and you weren't physically involved with anyone, more or less. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting to me that that is where they stopped because after leaving this community, I learned... A lot more about what purity actually means from scripture. Yes, sexual purity is an aspect, but there's so much more to purity than just sex. Yeah. What were some of those things that you learned of that were more than just sex? From a biblical standpoint, purity has the aspect of being sexually pure, But there's also an aspect that's really important that I don't feel like we learned about a lot, which is um, spiritual purity. Mm -hmm. Purity itself just means something is holy or fully one thing. Mm -hmm. So if we think about purity and spiritual purity, the idea that if you are spiritually pure, your affections, your devotions are going to be fully for God, Mm -hmm. devoted to God. Some of the scriptures that would come from this idea are things like where it talks about man can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. You can't serve both the world and God. So if you are practicing spiritual purity, you're going to be focused on things of God and not all of the distractions and the dirty stuff around you in the world. Right. That's a big thing that I really wish they would have covered with us because when they would talk about purity, they were only talking about our virginity. And our virginity in this group was definitely put on a pedestal as the most important thing that we could have as um, preteens, as teenagers, as young adults, you know, trying to, I guess, find our way or grow up or whatever. Instead of all the other great things that we could be as teenagers, it was, well, are you staying pure? We had so many purity talks. We mentioned in a previous episode, specifically listening to some of the old purity talks. Mm -hmm. 
purity talks were a really big deal and they were always about making sure that girls were covering their bodies and boys weren't lusting. It was always about sexual activity and keeping yourself from sexual activity. Which is kind of funny because they talked about it so much without talking about it. Like they were always kind of talking about sex and then not really talking about it at all. The purity talks that we had, I'm going to say twice maybe I remember, but once for sure, once a year. And you would split guys and girls and the guys would get a different talk than the girls. It wasn't a whole lot there compared to what we got as girls we got a lot of rules in ours because everything was oriented around sexual purity when we talk about purity culture some of the teachings that we were given were very unachievable in the sense that they expected you to do one thing and then magically suddenly shift and do something else yeah for example there is a huge emphasis on girls staying innocent and almost childlike in their innocence Mm -hmm. until you're married and then you're supposed to immediately become a sexual being that's sexually active and is giving your husband pleasure and is available for sex all the time Mm -hmm. unattainable because jumping from that to suddenly being sexually active and a sexual being and a sexual woman is is not something that we were taught how to go across that we were just told like you're gonna have to Mm -hmm. it's polar opposites because you were told before you got married sex is gross sex is bad you don't want that why would you do that don't do that god's gonna like shame you or we're gonna shame you and just don't do it it's disgusting but once you got engaged then all the moms were like oh you can wear this cute little thing for your husband and make him happy and You know, your job is to please him and all of this stuff. So you went from sex is gross and bad to now you have to do it. It's required. And if you notice, as we're talking about this, the emphasis is on the woman's body Mm -hmm. (laughs) constantly. Purity means no sex. Purity means the woman's body is pure and all of these weird rules that are added to basic scriptural views on mm-hmm. sex and what context sex is appropriate in yeah all of these added rules just create this weird view of yourself as a girl mm-hmm. that it's all about me it's all about my body and what my body is supposed to want to do and be able to do mm-hmm. suddenly but we're never taught what it's supposed to do and we're never taught how to do anything with our body yeah let's talk about a little bit of some of the things that we were weren't taught about our bodies really quick okay let's talk about the importance of the wedding night okay the importance of the wedding night and granted we were teenagers so we heard all of this kind of secondhand or gathered this information watching right we're a little bit older than us get engaged get married come back from the wedding night the woman's job on the wedding night was literally just to be a plaything i would say for her husband i remember some males making mention of i really hope my wife my almost to be Mm -hmm. wife um understands my needs and even as a teenager i was like your needs what about her needs like it was never discussed so that was something here we go in in sex ed that we were not taught was our bodies are also made for pleasure. Our bodies are also very sexually 
wired, but that was never taught to us. It was never mentioned. It was always, well, to please your husband. This is one of the toxic things from purity culture that I don't agree with. The idea that we abstain from sex, but when we have sex, the man enjoys it more. So you have to make sure the man is happy with the sex that's happening Mm -hmm. when it's time for that to happen. This creates a view of the woman that all I am here for is to sexually please a dude. Mm -hmm. And it's usually using as we all know at this point, using parts that some of us didn't even know we had until much later. That's also kind of a failure in anatomy lessons that was left out because those are important pieces you need to know. You know, everybody needs to know that. The guy needs to know where to stick his dick, okay? Well, I remember a lot of moms giving advice like, it Mm. might hurt, first of all. It's going to be kind of bad at first, but it kind of, it gets better. Okay. It doesn't sound romantic on your wedding night. I'm sorry. Is it okay to have sex on your wedding night? Yes. Is it okay to teach girls that they have to be this pure angelic creature until their wedding night and then suddenly they have to be sexy? Mm. Not great for the girls. Yeah. (laughs) On the base of that was consent taught. I didn't learn that consent was appropriate and allowed and an and acceptable thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Not just about sex, but about anything that's happening to you. Right. Consent means that somebody says, are you comfortable if I do this with you or to you? And you are allowed to say no. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. We didn't know we were allowed to say no. Right. You were just supposed to go with, if it was your husband, you're supposed to go along with what they said. If you were a younger person and it was like the church elders or something like that, even you were, you just needed to go along with what they said because they were older and wiser than you. And well, we know better. So consent was not a thing in any way, shape or form, whether it had to do with sexual, physical intimacy or anything else. Again, we talked about this before. One of the problems that created some religious trauma for us from this cult is the lack of boundaries that we were allowed to discuss or create. Mm -hmm. Having the ability to say no to something that's done to or with your body Mm -hmm. is extremely important for all different aspects of you as a person. Yes. Your mental health, your physical health, your emotional mm-hmm. health. If you aren't taught that it's okay to say no and it's okay to say yes, mm-hmm. then whatever happens to you, you'll just take it and you won't realize if it was appropriate or not until somebody else brings it up. Yeah. We were always taught that not having sex before marriage was in the Bible. And we were meant made to believe that it was in there word for word that You do not have sex outside of the marriage bed or God's going to smite you or some shit. You know, hookers get HIV or whatever. What do you remember about that? (laughs) Yeah, this is one of those things that happens in a fundamentalist community where they add rules to scripture or they kind of change what scripture says Mm -hmm. to fit what they want to communicate. Yeah. We knew that having sex before marriage was inappropriate or looked down on Mm -hmm. or a bad thing, Mm -hmm. but we were led to believe that that was actually in the Bible. Now, the Bible doesn't say specifically don't have sex before you get married. Right. The Bible specifically says good sex happens in the context of marriage. Mm -hmm. Sex outside of marriage would then be considered immoral and inappropriate. Right. Does that seem like a giant difference from what we were taught? Not necessarily. 
but we have been unpacking and deconstructing things that we were taught has created a whole new set of questions for us. Why did you teach us something in such a roundabout fundamentalist way mm -hmm. rather than just telling us what scripture said and helping us interpret what that means? Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely weren't giving us the correct verses either if they were giving us any for the, their reasoning for saying this either. Um, I don't think they were giving us any, to be honest. They were just like, this is what it says. Don't do this, which isn't okay. I mean, I remember being told that sex outside of marriage counts as adultery, mm. but adultery is related to people that are married having sex with people that are not their spouse. Yeah. Um, this feeds into, in a previous episode, we talked about we were taught to think of the guys if you were a girl and the girls if you were a guy as somebody else's spouse right which is weird weird but <laughs> all right <laughs> anyways listen i remember being a kid and then saying that and going well how is anybody gonna get married if i just keep walking around and everybody keeps walking around thinking that that's somebody else's husband or wife no one's gonna get married your whole plan here is gonna crumble <laughs> having sex before marriage is not explicitly talked about in the bible so we have to look at the scripture we do have regarding things like what is sexual immorality well it's going to mean Sex that happens in a context that God has not approved. Mm -hmm. In that sense, it would have been great as young people to understand that that's where they were coming from instead of just telling us, stay abstinent because the Bible says so. Right. And then on top of that, we also had this inflation of our brains where we felt like we were better than everyone else because we were supposed to look down on everyone who was having sex outside of marriage. That doesn't just include promiscuous, horny teenagers, but that would include people that have been raped that would include children that have been sexually abused they were in the same category of you're dirty now you're tainted now so you can't sit with us mm. jesus literally had actual like prostitute in his entourage yes. the way that he still loved people mm -hmm. and still helped them and he met them where they were at and he didn't talk about their backstory in line with things we were or were not taught in regards to sexual education in this group. How was porn viewed? Listen, I didn't realize that porn was a thing until I discovered it on my own one day, and it was not talked about in this group. Mm -mm. The only times I ever heard it mentioned were that, mm -hmm. as if it were a fact, only boys struggle with porn addictions right and the only way to get out of it is to just pray really hard and try mm -hmm. yeah that was kind of the cure-all be-all for that it seemed or anything kind of like it too if if you were struggling with something that was kind of like dark and dirty and serious like that it was you need to pray really hard and maybe one or two people are going to pray with you but you're on your own and kind of in the dark about this one because we can't help you with that that's a serious matter we were taught in this community that only men struggle with sexual thoughts and sexual desires and porn addictions. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, women are sexual creatures too, and they have sexual thoughts and lustful things that they have to curb. And some women struggle with porn addictions as well. Our Christian community just didn't have a place to help people with that. I don't necessarily remember if it was brought up a lot during the youth group events, but I just remember the churches that we were part of, 
that ran the group, they didn't really talk about it. It was kind of just like, you know, guys struggle about that. Ha ha. And also guys struggle with this. It's bad. Don't do it, fellas. It'll ruin your marriage. Where are the resources for the people that want to try to stop interacting with this problem? So we weren't really given any resources if you had a sexual sin problem or issue in your life. Another problem that I have with the type of purity culture that we were taught, we were not told about safe sex. Mm -hmm. We were only ever told don't have sex. Yes. Kids are going to learn about sex one way or another mm -hmm. sooner than you think they should. Yeah. This is just something that happens. I work in public schools. You would not believe the lower grades that know things that they definitely shouldn't in my mind. Yes. So anyways, we weren't taught anything about the different ways to practice safe sex, mm -hmm. which I feel like is really important. Even if we were staying abstinent until we got married, I really feel like that is extremely important to teach kids how to use a condom, first of all. Yeah. That's a big deal. So many young people don't know how to use condoms. Get the banana. The positive and negative things that birth control can do to a woman's body, we didn't know. Yeah. We just weren't told. I was public schooled through fifth grade and then I got pulled out. So usually in fifth grade, you have this video that you watch. You split guys and girls. They each have a different VHS tape to watch. You watch the one about your gender. So the girls would watch the girls and the guys would watch the guys. So we never actually had to watch ours. Everything that I learned about the human body, reproductive organs, came from mm -hmm. some old medical books that my mom had on the shelf. But as far as like a sex talk, my mom was very good about discussing that with us. If we had questions, she would answer them. So I knew how everything worked. I mm -hmm. didn't know. I guess I maybe just didn't make the correlation that I also had those parts. Beyond right. like, oh, you got a period that comes out of your vagina. Here, have a tampon. Right. <laughs> like it wasn't said anything else. I knew where babies came from. I knew how it worked. I knew how it happened. There were some parts she didn't mention, like the clit. So that maybe was for a later talk. But we didn't get to that point because we were in the cult. <laughs> I remember two distinct experiences regarding how I learned about sexual reproduction. First, one day I wasn't feeling well and I tried to express this to my parents. And I was given an anatomy book. The male side was covered up and my mom just like pointed to the girl's side. It was like, this is all of your parts. You can read it. Good luck. <laughs> that was my sex talk. The second time that I remember being informed about sexual reproduction was within a co-op group. And I feel like we're going to have a later episode about co-op groups. Oh, yeah. We split guys and girls. And I think we watched the same video. Oh. I'm not totally sure. But we watched a video of how a baby is formed in a womb like it starts out with you know the little computer animated egg and sperm connection point and then cells dividing and soon there's a baby you know one of those weird videos one of the moms she very uncomfortably drew pictures of the female and male anatomy on a whiteboard and kind of just like pointed and was like this piece is called this this piece is called this <laughs> And that was my sex education. Boy, that's awkward. Because of the lack of sex education that we received as kids, mm -hmm. lack of sex education coupled with 
very strict purity culture. A lot of fundamentalist legalist rules added on to us. Let's talk about some of the things involving purity. Most of us that I remember, and guys too, this was not just a girls only thing. This was also including the men, boys Mm -hmm. in the group. A certain age, usually it was like 12 or 13 for girls. You would get something from your parents called a purity ring. And this was essentially to symbolize your promise to God and your parents that you were going to stay sexually pure until marriage. There was great emphasis placed on this ring encompassing all of that and kind of, it's going to protect you. You're going to be, you know, this is your promise to God. And if you break it, bad things. We did purity rings. But there were some groups that would do, um, they called them promise rings. They weren't always called purity rings. There were some people that would do something called purity balls. Purity ball is where you go basically on a date with your dad. You wear a pure white dress because, you know, white is the epitome of purity. Um, And you go before the church or cross or whatever and pledge your purity until you get married to your dad. And most of them also had you sign like a contract of agreement with your dad, which is, I don't know if they wanted that to be like a marriage contract or whatever, but it's it's kind of fucking gross. There's a lot of weird aspects to this. A lot of weird aspects. So that was not something that we did, but something I have heard of happening. But besides those things, we were given a lot of lessons, whether it be in a mixed company group or just in the right. girls' purity talk about our purity being the most important thing that you can give to your husband on the wedding night because that's Sexual all it was. specifically. Your virginity yep. is what your husband prizes about you the most. That is all. Right. If you do not have right. a pure wife, they don't want it. They used to do these object lessons and they would maybe say get a water bottle and they would open it up and they would take a drink and they'd give it to somebody else and they would take a drink and they'd pass it around until it was kind of like you know half gone weird gross whatever um and then they would get it back and then they would pass it to somebody else and say do you want some of this now and of course they'd be like no 15 people have drank out of that bottle of course i don't want it um right and they're like that's what's gonna happen if you sleep with a bunch of guys before you get married no one's gonna want you i'm like huh (laughs) Gross. <laughs> One that we were also given before was they had a piece of paper and they had a bunch of people take turns crumpling it up and smashing it up and destroying it. And then they give it to a girl and they say, all right, make this perfect and clean and white again. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you have sex before you're married. This piece of paper represents you. Your worth is tied to your sexuality. And if you have sex before you're married, it's going to destroy and take away all of your worth. And the guys won't want you and God will be disappointed in you. And there's no way to make it pure and clean again. 
I only remember those kind of points, though, being aimed at the girls. Like, if you do this, the guys will not want you. It was never aimed at the guys. Like, if you do this, the girls are not going to want you. Because, of course, we're supposed to be just desperate women who were just supposed to say yes to any man who came along and said, will you marry me? There was a little bit of bias there. Our virginity was also related to a chocolate bar. Um, True. They would use a paper heart that they would crumple up and rip pieces off and give to a bunch of people and be like, this is what I have left to give to my future spouse. I know another analogy they would use to tell the guys is describing girls like a car. Why would you want to test drive the car? You know her maker. You know she's quality. I'm like, no, (laughs) no. That was to dissuade guys from wanting to have sex before they were married? Yes. Yes, it was. But also, then they would say this after. If you can't stay pure, just get married. I've heard that exact wordage. Because that was going to solve yeah. other problems. Just get married. If you can't stay pure, just get married. That's not good advice for anybody. It's not going to benefit anyone. So basically, sex outside of marriage, bad, evil, wrong. Mm-hmm. Sex inside of marriage, perfect, great. Doesn't change your body or your heart or your spirit. It just stays the same and everything is fine. Yeah. I don't know how much I can get into that, but that is a problematic teaching. It's a very problematic teaching, and it's disgusting. From what I have learned from scripture since being outside of this cult, sexual activity changes chemistry, changes physical and emotional and mental parts of a person. Mm -hmm. So that's a problematic teaching because... It puts virginity on the highest pedestal. Like that's the most important thing when you get married Mm -hmm. is your sexual purity. When in reality, that should be a facet of all parts of a person are important and need to be kept safe and clean and pure. Your heart needs to be ready for things. This is part of the purity that we weren't taught we were only taught that purity means sexual purity Mm -hmm. some of the trauma that we're processing is just literally the fact that we were only taught that sex is bad unless you're married and if you've had sex before you are married now you are tainted and you won't be wanted and your worth is diminished right we were taught and i don't remember if it was explicitly or if it was just kind of maybe mentioned in a corner somewhere um that masturbation is a sin okay nobody masturbates which means there's a bunch of just horny fucking teenagers that aren't allowed to have sex and they can't fucking masturbate and release any of these anything (laughs) into the the void maybe that's why we're all so fucking angry we just needed to let one off i don't know steam oh no um it was it was one of those like mortal sins my parents never talked to me about it ever that was i guess one of the downfalls of our um sex education in my house is we weren't talked to about that and i don't know if maybe i was too young or if it just no i don't i don't know um were you ever talked to about that no i just remember hearing a lot of times my dad telling my brothers to get their hands out of their pants. Yeah, so that was bad, but then as soon as you get married, again, just jump right on it and go. Even though you don't know what you're doing, you barely know what your parts do. 
it's a little bit harder to do some of those things and enjoy it when you haven't been given all the information. It's kind of like we were given a book that was very much gone through and had some very good parts of the book taken out. And they're like, well, do with it what you can. I'm like, I can't do anything with this. I don't, I don't know. Everything is censored. What do you want us to learn from this? I know. Absolutely nothing. So then also kind of going with that, when we, when women would get married, you weren't taught about birth control either because your goal when you got married was to have kids, have as many as you can, as early as you can. Nobody wanted you to wait. I don't think it was, when are you going to have babies? Let's not teach you about any forms of birth control, contraception, family planning. I don't remember anybody really teaching me about how my body worked in regards to this is when you ovulate. This is how this works. If you want to avoid getting pregnant, do this without right. taking any sort of like Didn't chemical birth that. control either, which I feel is important whether you are religious or not, because you need to understand how your body works and listen to your body. And that's really kind of do. one of those things that we we didn't get. One thing that you touched on that we haven't said explicitly, let, let me see if I can put this into words. We are talking a lot about sex as a form of something that is is pleasurable and pleasant to do for the man or the woman. Many Christian circles will only talk about sex in the context of using sex to have children. So if you don't want to have kids, just stay abstinent. But the reason that we are talking a lot about sex as a enjoyable thing to do is because that wasn't a factor for us when we were learning about why sex was bad. We talk a lot about the things that traumatized us, the things that we weren't told, the things that we were told about sexual interaction Mm -hmm. and the rules that were given to us regarding sex before marriage and sex after marriage. We were only taught that sex is for having kids. We weren't taught that sex is for enjoyment. So when we talk about things like, why would we talk about birth control as being something you should know about? Mm -hmm. Have you ever read scriptures that talk about sex being pleasant and enjoyable? Song of Solomon's. The whole book. That is a spicy (laughs) book. (laughs) This is in scripture that it's okay to enjoy sexual interaction. Mm -hmm. We were not really taught that at all. There was like a couple times where they would say things like, sex is good. And that was the extent. (laughs) I just want to acknowledge we're aware that in most Christian circles, sex is only talked about in the context of you have sex when you're married Mm -hmm. because it's for procreation. Right. So all of the other facets that we didn't get to hear about or learn about or ask questions about is what we want to talk about now. Also, I mean, I want to talk about this stuff because... One, I feel like we kind of got gypped in part of that and we missed a lot of information, kind of like, you know, the book analogy that I used. But also, I want to also say all of these things because these are things that I really want to not do when telling other people if they have questions or my own kids someday. There are so many things that I want to do different because of how we were taught Um, about our sexuality and how sex works and, you know, the whole purity mindset and everything um, that I think is really damaging. And you and I have had a ton of talks over the years about how all of the teachings that we were given in regards to purity culture and sex is 
have kind of made us a little bit stunted. In our emotional, mental, physical health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you want to talk about how being raised in purity culture taught us about our bodies? Like, how did we understand our sexuality? When we were growing up in that group and we were being told all of these different things about our bodies, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but for me personally, it made me feel ashamed to even have a body. I didn't want to have a body. After being told all of these things and kind of getting the whole silent treatment for wearing something wrong or just what people thought of you, it was... it. I didn't want to have a body. I didn't want to have body parts. I was already uncomfortable in my body to begin with going into the group because I was like 12 or 13. So tiny, very awkward state tiny titties unite. And it you're already uncomfortable at that age anyways with your body. And then you go into this group and they're telling you all of these different things like you need to cover up because the guys are always watching. And, you know, be careful when you're bending over or if you have a skirt, If make sure that the wind doesn't blow it up because the guys will watch and lust over you or something like that. And it made you as a young girl in this group very afraid, first of all. You were always afraid that you were going to get attacked or something because you had a collarbone showing or something like that. Right. So it made me view my body as something that was wrong. Right. And my body wasn't wrong. I was being told that the things about my body were sinful and gross and wrong, um, but that's not what it was. And I didn't get to come to terms with that and be comfortable in my own body until probably 10 years later. Imagine living in a household where you put on clothing and then you're told you can't wear that because your dad or your brother is going to see it or your dad or your brother is here or your brother or your dad's in the room. You can't wear that. Yeah. That to me does not signal that what you're wearing is a problem. If you are worried that your family members are having issues of struggling in some way because of what you are wearing as a young girl, that's a problem with the men in your household, not your daughter. And I say that because that happened in a lot of instances that I remember going to people's houses and hearing their moms telling them this or being at an event and hearing mom's telling the girls this you can't wear that because there's boys here you can't wear that because your brother's in the room like hello that's a problem with the boy not with you why can't we give guys the same expectation that girls are given why can't we teach them instead to control their own urges and avert their eyes instead of us having to do everything to make their lives comfortable is it okay to wear modest clothing And to desire to have a sexually pure body, of course. Yeah. Is it okay to tell young people that their entire worth is based on their sexuality by controlling every aspect of their sexuality? Yeah. That's problematic and that's not okay. And that is the damaging things that happened to us when we were in this fundamentalist cult. Yeah. So how long after being in this group did it take you to get out of the rut that we had been stuck in and and try some different things? I was so ashamed that I had a body similar to what Cassie was talking about that I would wear like floor length jumpers. It was always like 
underneath a sweater or underneath a jumper because I was so ashamed that I had a body and I had been taught that my body is causing boys to lust and want to have sex with me. So if I want to be safe, it's my responsibility to cover it up. Yeah. I didn't like my body. I was ashamed of my body. I was ashamed that I had girl curves and parts. Mm -hmm. I was constantly embarrassed if I had too much skin showing. I was so more self-conscious than a regular teenager should be of themselves. Yeah, 100% we were. Not until probably several years into attending college did I start to discover that I was allowed to be stylish and modest, but also still love what my shape was as a girl. We both went around that kind of transition in a very different way. You were a little bit more graceful about it than I was, I think. You kind of went about it just like a little bit slower, a little bit softer, a little bit nicer. You weren't like stark black and white transition because <laughs> I got out and I was like maybe that was my rebellious stage that I didn't have when I was ah, a teenager yes. I was like I'm gonna wear all these things that I never got to wear went a little bit crazy and I was pushing myself to do that too when I was doing that I'm like I'm gonna wear this top it makes me feel super super uncomfortable and I want to put on something baggy that covers everything but I'm gonna try and I had my little moment in the sun of wearing some kind of scandalous, I suppose you might say, (laughs) outfits that were very, you know, curve revealing or showed off the girls or whatever. And then it kind of calmed down because I, I tried it. I did it. I was done. Exactly. So you know what? If you're on your journey, you do you boo. You got time. If you are comfortable in what you're wearing right now more power to you if that is your conviction god bless you for it Mm -hmm. some of us just did not feel that way about dressing the way that we were told to probably mostly because we were being told to dress this way instead of us getting to choose what we get to wear our comfortability in what we're wearing for the most part your wardrobe was going to be skirts and a shirt and the skirt had to go below your knees at your knees right. or below your knees well okay i remember the test for shirts the test for shirts to see if you were being modest enough or not to you know save the boys sexual sins was yes bend over in a mirror you need to bend over right. in the front to see if they can see any tits and you need to bend over yep. in the back to see if they can see any clam if they can see either Throw the whole thing out and burn it. During summer sessions of our youth group program, if you were to go into the girls' bathroom, you would see girls being like, is my butt showing? Bending over in the mirror like, is this t-shirt too baggy that they will see? Like, it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The lengths that we went to to keep this whole pure mindset or whatever and modesty with what we were wearing was insane and it was fucking exhausting there was a lot of shit that we could not wear i bought all my clothes from goodwill because nothing in the store was going to match these criteria you keep telling me that boys are visual creatures they're imagining what's under this doesn't matter how baggy or tight it is if i wore a tent they'd figure it out so as of october 2023 
our culture is going through a body positivity revolution where everybody is beautiful. We love everybody. You should love your body just the way it is. When I was in a Christian fundamentalist cult youth group community situation, we hated our body. Everybody was beautiful, but no one is allowed to see that your body is beautiful. You're not even allowed to think that your body is beautiful because that's vanity. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to show that you feel good about your body in the clothing that you wear and what you're comfortable in. Because, again, that's vanity or it's creating lustful thoughts in boys if you're a girl. Right. It, it wouldn't matter if you wore a tent. Boys are still going to have imaginations. It mm -hmm. wouldn't matter if the boys were wearing, like, suits all the time. Because for some reason, that was the level of modesty that they were called to. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. Modesty for boys. What did we see? Was there any? The only example I can think of is I remember almost every time there was any kind of a swimming event with boys from the youth group. They would be wearing tank tops or t-shirts mm -hmm. along with their baggy men's swim trunks. Yeah. It depended on the family and probably comfortability for the guys, too. Maybe some of them were uncomfortable in their own bodies, too. Mm -hmm. But I only remember maybe a handful of guys throughout all the years that they, we were there that would actually go swimming without a shirt to cover themselves up. And, of course, I thought that was ridiculous because I had come from previously, you know, wear a bikini and go to this to the water park you know guys wear whatever you mm -hmm. want go have fun <laughs> to mm -hmm. guys are wearing shirts at the pool and i thought that was kind of absurd i'm pretty sure that none of us as girls were getting like the hots for any guy that was Truly. not wearing a shirt too Truly. we genuinely <laughs> we did, did not care, care. <laughs> I did have a thought regarding how careful girls were with the clothing that they chose, the outfits that they chose. Mm -hmm. It became a representation of the level of purity that you wanted to portray yes. that you have. Yes. Not necessarily in a competition form, but just if you wanted to portray that you were sexually pure, you were going to wear long skirts long shirts, mm -hmm. high collars. If you were wearing something that revealed too much skin, quote unquote, that was going to be a signal that you are promiscuous mm -hmm. and you're asking for something or you're looking for something or you're flaunting something. I also feel like the way that we dressed and our uh, how we portrayed our purity or whatever kind of also correlated to like how well our family was looked at or whatever. I didn't really think about this until later. I do think that the girls who were definitely, they were dressing modestly. They were being the whole purity mindset, Proverbs 31 woman to a T. Um, they were doing all of the things that the leadership thought that a young girl should do. If you were doing all of those things, your dad was going to get looked at in high regards because that exactly. man must be doing something right. Look at his family. Oh, his daughters are so exactly. nice and pure and so gentle spirited and just good godly girls that some guy is going to want someday. And those of us that were a little bit more outspoken, we didn't bring honor to any dads. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a good, perfect model of 
This is how you dress correctly. This is how you behave without ruffling feathers. Uh, but really what the problem was, was I just had crippling social anxiety and was insanely shy and completely embarrassed of myself all the time. So... <laughs> And then you became friends with me. <laughs> Imagine being the model citizen and then getting together with Cass. <laughs> Any parting words of wisdom for young girls that are currently in the extreme purity culture? Oof. It's going to be okay. Figure out where your boundaries are. You're allowed to have boundaries. Yes, you are allowed to have boundaries. You are allowed to say no. And... Yes, if this is not where you want to be right now, one day you'll turn 18. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we love you guys. Yeah. Because I went to a secular college. Ooh, <laughs> you rascal. <laughs>